Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone gathered here, as well as those who are watching and listening online. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 4. And if you pay attention to the church calendar, and I know some of you do, some of you don't, some of you do to greater or lesser degrees than others, and that's fine. But if you do, you know that today is the first Sunday of Lent. And Some of you observe Lent to greater or lesser degrees than others. Some of you don't know anything about Lent, don't pay any attention to it at all, and that's fine as well. We observe the Christian calendar a bit here when we emphasize the season of Advent leading into Christmas. So it's a bit part of our conversation. And if you know that today is the first Sunday of Lent, then you may also know that Churches all over the world are reading and sitting with and dwelling on the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness out of Matthew chapter 4. So we're joining a much larger conversation today. In the opening chapters of his gospel, Matthew goes out of his way to show us how Jesus is reliving ancient Israel's story. Like Israel, Jesus comes up out of Egypt, where his parents had fled after his birth when fleeing the sword of King Herod. And then Jesus passes through the water at his baptism and is led into the wilderness where he is tested like ancient Israel was. And none of this is an accident. If Jesus is going to be Israel's Messiah, if Jesus is going to save God's people from their sins as the angel said he would when speaking to Joseph back in Matthew chapter 1, then Jesus has to fare better in the wilderness than ancient Israel did. Now let's read the story and see what happens, beginning in chapter 4, verse 1. Then, after his baptism, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, 
throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, the devil said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Each of these three tests or temptations that Jesus faces in the wilderness has something to do with the kind of Messiah Jesus might possibly be. Each of these tests poses a question for Jesus and about Jesus' life and ministry. The first test poses the question, will Jesus trust his Father to provide what he needs? Or... Should he use his power as the Son of God to satisfy his appetite, which is legitimate after fasting for 40 days and nights? Should he use his status, his power as the Son of God, to meet his needs? And this, of course, points to a deeper question. Will he use his power and his status as the Son for his benefit? or for the benefit of others? Is he destined to be a miracle worker who will use his power to draw a crowd and build a kingdom for his own glory? Or does the Father have something else in mind for him? The second test poses a second question, and that is, will Jesus wait for his Father to reveal his identity to the world? Or should he go to the pinnacle of the temple and prove that he is indeed the Son of God? Should he force his Father to validate his identity by making believers of everyone who sees a levitating Messiah in the temple courts? Notice that the devil justifies this test to Jesus by quoting Scripture. Not everyone who cites book, chapter, and verse is speaking the Word of God or knows the will of God. And then the third test poses a third question. Will Jesus remain faithful to his Father all the way to the end? The devil offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. All Jesus has to do is bend the knee and worship the devil. And then Jesus doesn't have to work for it, doesn't have to wait for it, certainly doesn't have to suffer for it. This is a shortcut to glory for Jesus. It's an easy button to becoming king of kings. Will Jesus bend the knee and make a deal with the devil? 
or will he remain faithful? And of course, Jesus rebuffs all three of these tests or temptations from the devil by quoting from Scripture, specifically Deuteronomy, drawing on the lessons Israel learned in the wilderness after failing their tests. And in answering each of these tests, Jesus charts the course for the kind of Messiah he will be. He will live and die as if there is something more important than satisfying his physical needs or appetites. He will not put his physical comfort above the needs of others, even if it means suffering and dying on a cross. He will allow his Father to determine when he is revealed as the Son of God, even if that time and place is on a cross. And he will submit to the will of his Father rather than the devil. And all the power and glory that comes to him will be the result of self-giving, sacrificial love and service and obedience to his Father. Or even though the devil leaves Jesus in the wilderness, he continues to face these tests throughout his ministry. He continues to wrestle with these temptations throughout his ministry. More than once, Jesus will have to walk away from a crowd who wants his miracles more than they want him. He will have to refuse those who demand a sign to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the Messiah sent from God. And he will resist pressure from his disciples and from the crowds to become a stereotypical, sword-wielding, conquering king. And he will resist these temptations all the way to the cross. As followers of Christ who are participating in Jesus' ongoing ministry in the world, we too are tested. We too are tested. And the temptations we face are similar to those Jesus overcame in the wilderness. Those three questions are for us as well. Will we trust God to provide what we really need? Because there is a voice in the wilderness saying to us, the peace, the fulfillment, the well-being, the satisfaction we crave is available to us in something other than a trusting relationship with God. We can use our power, our resources, our social status to feed our selfish desires and our cravings and make ourselves feel better, even for just a few moments. We can turn stones to bread. Or we can say with Jesus, 
we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we can trust our Father in heaven to give us what we need, even when it's not always what we want. We could say and do this when tested. But we usually don't. Will we wait on God's timing? For there is a voice in the wilderness telling us that patience is a sign of weakness and that God rewards the aggressive. And we can force our way into and through a situation to get what we want rather than wait on God's timing. Or we can try to manipulate God resort to magical thinking, manipulating God with if-then statements. If I do this, then God has to do that. If I do the right things, then I'm pretty much forcing God to bless me. So if I give this much money, God will give me this much more back. If I do this good deed, God will send 10 more good deeds my way. Or we can say with Jesus, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test and then wait on God's timing. We could say and do this when tested in the wilderness, but we usually don't. Will we worship God alone? There is a voice in the wilderness telling us that the quickest way to get what we really want in life is to make compromises, to break the rules, to shape the facts, to betray a friend, to destroy someone else, to bend the knee and make a deal with the devil. Or we can say with Jesus, worship the Lord God and serve him only. We could say and do this when tested in the wilderness. But we usually don't. The truth is we fare no better with our tests in the wilderness than Israel did with theirs. One of the reasons all of us at some point in life find ourselves stuck or lost in the wilderness is because we cannot do what Jesus did when he was in the wilderness. Think about the biggest mess you've ever been in in your life. Think about a time in your life when you felt stuck, come to a dead end, no options, you don't know which way to go from here. Think about a time in your life when you were lost, not knowing what to do next. How did you get there? How did you end up in that mess? What got you in that kind of jam? Was it because you tried to use your own power to attain for yourself what only God can give? Or did you write a check that God refused to cash because you were trying to manipulate God into doing your will on your schedule? Or did you fail to focus on God above all things and instead made something or someone else more important or more vital to your well-being. Did you make a deal with the devil 
only to find out the devil never delivers what's promised. Maybe that's where you are right now. Lost. Stuck. Failing. Hurting from self-inflicted wounds. Ashamed because you failed another test. Feeling guilty because you let temptation get the best of you yet again. If that's where you are right now, what's your next move? What do you do next? How do you get unstuck? How do you get back on track? How do you make your way out of the wilderness? Well, please, don't say you'll try harder. Don't promise you'll do better next time. Don't vow to buckle down and be stronger in the future. Because relying on your own power, strength, and ability, that's what got you stuck in the wilderness in the first place. The only way out of the mess you're in is to let Jesus lead you out of it. Because he is the only one who knows how to successfully navigate the treacherous path out of the wilderness. Just as when Jesus stepped into the waters and identified with sinners, even though he wasn't a sinner himself, and was then baptized with and for sinners, in the same way Jesus enters the wilderness and is tested with and for the weak. Jesus passing the test that everyone else fails does it not just for his benefit, but for ours. When we say we're saved by faith, let's be very clear what we mean by this. We are not saved by our weak meager faith. We are saved by the faithfulness of Jesus who did what we could never do. We are saved when we put our faith, small as it is, weak as it is, into the faithfulness of Jesus. We are saved when we trust Jesus and his faithful obedience, which we can never replicate. We draw strength in the wilderness when we're tested, when we're being tempted, when we're failing, not from ourselves, but from Jesus who remains strong in the wilderness even after 40 days of fasting. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4 that Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, speaking Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For, he says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one 
who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The power of the gospel and the grace of God is available to us at all times, not just after we've sinned and need forgiveness, not just after we've failed the test and need to be restored, not just after we've made a mess of our lives and need a second or third or fourth or fortieth chance, although the grace and power of God is always there for that. The grace and power of God is also at work in us and available to us in the midst of our testing, while we are being tempted, giving us strength in our time of need. So if you're struggling, if you're failing, if you're in danger of getting lost or stuck in the wilderness, Remember, Jesus has already been there. And he's already passed the test for you. And for me. And for all of us. So take heart and reach out for Jesus. And draw strength from his faithfulness. Especially when yours is failing. And if you're praying for someone who's struggling, praying for someone who's lost or stuck, someone who's in big trouble, don't pray that they do better. Don't pray that they try harder. Pray that Jesus' faithfulness, Jesus' strength, Jesus' obedience will flow through them. For the only way that any of us are ever going to make it through and out of this wilderness is to let Jesus lead us out of it. Let's stand for the benediction. Let's read and pray this out loud together. Almighty God, whose blessed son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.